Hi, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey friends, new and old, welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I have Peter Roche on the show today. Uh, He has been a follower for a while and he requested a couple of months ago uh, to come on the show and talk to all of us. So if you are a new listener, absolutely welcome. Um, If you love being part of the indie community, you are absolutely in the right place. So we are going to talk some books. We're going to talk some life. We're going to talk about everything in between. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Peter, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I am doing well. Um, it's, we were talking before, uh, we hit record just how hot it's been. It is, I, I'm done with the heat. I, I told somebody, I I told somebody the other day that I am ready for winter. And then about 30 seconds later, I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, no. Cause as soon as winter hits and it's like 25 degrees, I'm going to be like, no, I want it to be somewhere again. Um, so no, I'm I'm not ready for winter, but I am definitely ready for it to cool off, <clears throat> for sure. So um, I think this year there's like more of the country ready for that very thing than there has been in a while. We actually road tripped up to New England to try to escape the heat in Texas during July, and we got up there, and it was obviously cooler than it is in Texas, but it was still very very warm, so muggy. And yeah. not really, not really the relief we were looking for completely. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a friend in Maryland and um, their weather has been in the 90s, which for them is like 110 here because it just doesn't get that hot. Sure. You know, I, I have friends in Britain um, that, you know, England specifically doesn't usually get warm enough to even warrant an air conditioner. And Mm -hmm. so they just don't typically have them. And it's been so hot, even in England, that people are like, we don't know how to deal with this because we're not, we're just not used to it. So it's, I mean, the whole, uh, you know, pretty much the whole earth has just kind of set on fire and everybody is, pardon the pun, feeling the heat. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so let's get started just real quick. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you started writing, uh, when you started writing, um, and just, you know, kind of what inspires you to be that type of creative, because there's tons of different types of creative people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think I started writing just as a kid. 
from a pretty young age, I started writing books and, um, you know, I always, I always enjoyed it. Uh, and I certainly enjoyed having people read what I wrote. I wouldn't say that it translated to great grades, uh, say in reading and writing and whatnot. I, I, I was more into what the story was about than following the letter of the law in terms of grammar and punctuation and things of that nature. But there was also two things uh, sort of working against me being a writer, per se. One was I was also a musician, and I had it in my mind growing up that I was going to, you know, be a famous rock star. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and uh, hair metal and then into grunge and, and so on and new metal. But right about the time that I was old enough to make that decision, like, hey, you know, you're 18, let's do what you want to do. I kind of copped out on that, too, because I knew that it was a real long shot to make a good living <laughs> right away as a musician. And my parents wanted me to go to college. And I said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that. That sounds like, you know, the smart. That's the smart thing to do. And I went to school to to study music. Um, but again, sort of. I kind of, I was like, I don't know if if you can really make a good living as a music teacher. I, I don't, I I think there was a lot of factors, a lot of family factors influencing me in terms of like, do something that's going to reward you monetarily when you get out of this situation. And so I'm not altogether sure that I, I really followed my passions right when I hopped into college, but as luck would have it, after a lot of uh, different attempts at different majors, I, I fell into an advertising program uh, at the University of Texas. And even then, I thought, well, I'll get a degree in advertising, but I probably, as soon as I'm done with this, I'll go and, and, and do music. I, I had it in my mind that I would maybe move to the West Coast, Seattle, or, or even Los Angeles. But during the time that I was doing that, I... I did well. I mean, it turned out I was, uh, you know, the writing that I like to do. Advertising can be um, a very good uh, career for that. If you like to write, if you like to tell jokes, if you like to tell stories, especially at this time, it was a lot of television and radio and certainly print ads. The, The Internet wasn't quite what it is today when I started. And there was good money in it. But more than that, it was an opportunity to visit New York City. I fell in love with New York City. And then I was just like... I want to do whatever I have to do to just move to New York City. I don't. And so great. Here I am. Give me a job in advertising. And and that's what I did. And it was great. And I loved and I still I'm a freelance writer uh, for a lot of advertising agencies across the country. And I enjoy it so much because it's a real challenge and a real, you know, it's a daily opportunity to write things and have people crap on them. (laughs) Um, But. In the meantime, I always had it in my head that, well, at some point you need to start writing for yourself. You need to start writing uh, books. Now, I don't know if I wanted to write novellas or novels, and I think it's sometimes, uh, will I do memoirs or whatnot? With that, I should also just be, you know, I'm always completely upfront and authentic and honest as I can be. I also am a recovering alcoholic and an addict, so... There was a huge, a huge detriment to my creativity and my motivation uh, was my alcoholism. And so I got sober in 2008. My last drink uh, was in 2008. So I'll have 14 years sobriety this year in October. Congratulations. It wasn't until, 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, It wasn't until I got sober. uh, And then I I would say like a good two years into sobriety that I found not just the stories I wanted to tell, but I found the discipline to start telling them in a real way to sit down and get them on paper and go through the process. And prior to my sobriety, it was just always too easy for me to be like, well, yeah, I mean, I could I could sit and write this book. Or I could meet my friends at a bar and get drunk. And ultimately, in the in the back end of my young adult life, drinking took over, and it was it was really all I ever wanted to do. So I was pretty excited when I was sober, and I sat down to write my first book. And that, you know, in for real, it wasn't the first time I sat down to write a book, but the first time I sat down and said, "You're going to do this from start to finish," and and that was in 2011. And since then, it's become just a daily part of my my being. You know, it's just I, I write all the time, not just for my job, but for for books and, and ideas and short stories. And um, I, I just couldn't I couldn't imagine now not having that as an outlet. I mean, honestly, even for me, I, I love I love when people read my books, as does any author, I think any author who says otherwise is probably, (laughs) I want to write these books and I want people to buy them, but I don't want them to read them. Right. Said no author ever. (laughs) No. I mean, for me, I would love if people buy them, but honestly, it's just, I'm just excited when anybody makes the time to read it. I, I, if I, if I could, I would just, and anyone was interested, I'd hand them out for free, um, which obviously you can do. and, And there's benefits to that, but, it it wasn't until probably I was doing some some work with a friend of mine, uh, some like spiritual, mental, like where are you headed, where are you going type of thing, that I really reconnected with what I wanted f- from writing as a kid, you know? And I, 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 I will never say that there was forces working against me. I think I was the one working against myself the most, but... I am a product of public education. I'm, a, I'm the product of a, you know, of a father's uh, respect and admiration. It was very important to me. And, and I put a lot of things in front of writing for a long time. And so when I did actually sit down and start, I mean, in, an, in a serious way, I'm going to write books. I think I must have been 11, that's 10 years ago. So, I mean, roughly 37, 38 years old. And now that seems so young to me. I'm like, wow, you were only 38. (laughs) But I think when I sat down at 38, I was like, is it too late? I don't know. It might be too late to to sit down and write a book. And you certainly see plenty of people much older than me at that point and even much older than me now who, who not only write a book, but write a book that ultimately ends up becoming a bestseller or is, is revered by this circle or that circle. And, and I love that about writing. I love that it never has to end. I mean, you know, Cormac McCarthy, uh, I don't really know how old he is, but he seems old. <laughs> I haven't wikied him in a while. I don't know his exact age. But here he is. He's about to put out, I can't remember if it's two new books or three, a series. You can write until you are almost in the grave. You can keep that, over at your desk writing if you choose. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> writing, writing is one of those, is one of those things that, you know, it just, it doesn't ever have to end. I mean, when you work, 
for like another company, then a lot of times that company will say, okay, you're 65, you're 66, you're 70, you know, however old, it's time for you to retire. And then you retire and then you don't work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but when you're an author, when you're a writer, when you're a freelancer, like you are, you know, that's, that's something that you don't have to retire from if you don't want to. You know, the only time that you would ever retire is if you run out of stories, God forbid, um, or you just want to take time for yourself. You want to travel, you want to, you know, and even when you travel and even when you go to all of these other places, you can still do those things. So, you know, writing is just one of those things that you don't have to stop unless you want to. Yeah. I mean, literally. And if you've never, if you've never done it, you can start too. That's the other yeah, thing. Absolutely. Like my mom, when she found out that I was writing my most recent book, so this is a few years ago, she reached out to me. She's like, I have an idea for a book. And I was like, okay, let's hear it. And she told me the idea. And I was like, wow, I, that's a great idea. She's like, yeah, you should write it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to write it. I'm like, but you, you should sit down and start writing it. <laughs> She's like, well, I wouldn't know where to begin. And I'm like, you just begin by sitting down and starting to write it. Don't, don't think about it too much. Just see where it takes you, you know? And I don't know that she did or didn't. Um, hopefully she's been working on it, but if she has, it's, <laughs> she certainly hasn't told me, but my point to her was like, you, you can do it. That's another beautiful thing about writing is like it, everybody knows how to write for the most part and knows how to tell a story. I mean, I think there are certainly people who are more naturally anointed storytellers, I suppose. But at the end of the day, I subscribe to that. I think it's an old adage, like everybody's got one book in them. Um, I believe that's true. And I believe that probably everybody has more than one book in them. It really, I'm sure you are are very aware of this and I'm sure other people you've talked to talk about it. It's like, there's so much of it is just the commitment to actually doing the work. Um, and that's, that's the hard part. I think uh, for a lot of people is just really putting the time against it. And sometimes it's because they, they really legitimately do not have the time. You know, I'm very lucky that there are times throughout any part of any year where I have the time to commit to sitting down and writing 40, 60,000 words. And I don't know that, you know, everybody, you could tell somebody, look, just find 30 minutes here or there. But in truth, that's that's a whole other thing because it can be hard to just sort of dive in and say, oh, here's my 30 minutes and then dive out and, and remove yourself from every other thing that you have going on in life so that you can get into some sort of zone. Um, that's tough. But when you have that, when you find the time, when you make the commitment, I think everybody's got something that they could be telling us. I Yeah, I, I tell people that, you know, and I, I actually put this on Twitter the other day as a reply to somebody, um, you know, that I call myself a writer because I blog and because I write book reviews and, um, you know, all those sorts of things for my blog. I am not an author because I have no desire to write a book. (laughs) So, you know, to me, there is a difference between being a writer and being an author But, you know, like you said, everybody has the potential to be a writer if they choose. Um, You don't necessarily have to be an author. You don't necessarily have to write a book 
if you journal every day, you're a writer. Yes. You know? and, and I love, and I, I think journaling is awesome. I, you know, I, I think even if you're, Oh, I'm going to journal for six months, I'm going to journal for six weeks. The, the exercise of journaling in and of itself is just a brilliant, is, is a brilliant one. And I, I often encourage people to do that if they are interested in writing, but they don't have an idea for a story. Yet. It's just maybe get in the habit of writing. And if you like writing, if it feels good to you, I could tell you that when I write something, I feel pretty rewarded, like yeah. internally. I, if, I, if I sit down and I say, I'm going to write a short story, or even if honestly, it could be a tweet. <laughs> Sometimes I'll write a tweet. And I'm just like, this is a really great tweet. And if nobody else likes it, if, if I don't get a single like or retweet, whatever, I, there was still a moment in the day where I was like, I feel really good about that. And then I, you know, I move on. But, and I think that that's, you know, with a lot of different art, that's not just in writing. Like I see my son who is, he just turned eight years old and early on, when he was younger, he would do a lot of drawings and he would look to us to say, look at my drawing. Don't you think it's great? You know, what do you think of it? Isn't it great? And we kept saying like, we, yes, we like your drawing, but how do you feel about your drawing? Do you feel good about your drawing? You know, are you proud of the drawing that you did? And I wondered if, if it, it would ever change, if it would just sort of naturally go to a place where like he would do a drawing, he would still love to know what we think about it, but I could see that actually, no, he's just really excited for himself about yeah. what he's put onto this page. And that for me is a big part of what, how writing works for me. And, or even if I sit, I, I don't play in bands anymore, but if I sit down and, and do something new on the guitar, I know that nobody's going to hear it. Maybe my wife, maybe I'll sit with my wife that night and say, listen to this thing I wrote on the guitar. But the truth is, is that most of the time I'm doing that. Oh, wow. I really like the way this sounds. Maybe I record it. Maybe I don't. But I feel good for having created that in that moment, and, and then I move on. And I think writing can do that. And I think if people, whether you're a blog writer or you're journaling or, or all of it, I think that's obviously a big part of why people love social media and being on TikTok and, and doing the content. Yes, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, external factors if you're if you're somebody who's blowing up and you're getting tons of likes and and that's probably an entirely other podcast to talk about but <laughs> i think in you know in the moment it's like wow look at this thing i created that's pretty yeah. cool and, and writing is probably the original one of the original versions of like Here, here's this thing i made and i and, and it's done and it, you can do a little pat on your own back and, and feel good about it yeah um you know i I, I get what you're saying about that. It's just that internal reward uh, when it comes to writing. Um, you know, I have several blog posts that people have really liked and people have really shared. And then I have several that, you know, haven't necessarily been as popular, but I go back and I look at them and I'm like, that's just, I really enjoyed writing that. Um, you know, the one that I did recently, uh, one of the things that, um, going back to the, the journaling that you were, were talking about, uh, one of the things that I love to do um, to help brainstorm for blog post ideas, because I, I don't write all book reviews. Um, I used mm -hmm. to, um, I used to stick with just uh, the book reviews. Um, 
but that got to be where, you know, I felt pressured to read a book so I would have a book to review about. And, um, you know, when reading, it becomes a job, it's no longer fun. Um, Mm -hmm. so I started, um, kind of easing back on how many book reviews I write. Um, I still write them, but I don't write as many. Um, but I also still want to be consistent in providing content, content for my readers. So one Mm -hmm. of the things that I started doing, um, to brainstorm for blog post ideas is I would go and look for journal prompts. Um, and that is probably for me, at least one of the most fun ways to create a blog post. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and one uh, that I recently wrote was tell about the most, uh, fun vacation you've ever been on. So I wrote this 1500 word blog post on my husband's and my honeymoon back in 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with lots of pictures and, you know, this, this whole big story about our honeymoon and, you know, it wasn't journaling, but I know Mm -hmm. 10 years from now I can go and look back at that blog post and get, you know, those reminders of that super fun experience that I had. Uh, you know, so tip to bloggers, especially if you're book bloggers, um, and you don't want to write reviews all the time, go and look for those journal prompts. Um, you know, if you're an author and you have an author website, um, and you want to create something for your audience that is not just your book, you know, not just related to your book, and you want to create this community for people, start looking at those journal prompts, start looking at those blog post prompts, um, because they're a really fun way to get some amazing ideas um yeah for for various i'm glad glad you brought the prompts up because i would say if somebody is listening and they're like i really want to write but i wouldn't know to start a prompt is an amazing way to start yeah and there there are services i mean the the one that comes off the top of my head is readsy and readsy does a weekly uh, a weekly prompt contest where they tell you here's what you know here's what everyone's going to write about and so you have the, the gist of a plot, or, or maybe they just give you the, the location and a few other details, and you run with it. But I think any time that you're stuck on something, or if you don't have the idea yet that you know that you want to write, that you were born to write or whatever, a prompt is an amazing way to just be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to write you know, 500 words, 1,000 words, whatever it is. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it, what you said. You know, I think we have gotten so good at posting the pictures of our lives obviously we we get on instagram and everything else and here's some pictures but what you did was so much you know more i think will be so much more rewarding like you said down the road you're you're our, our brains are very good at holding information obviously and some people better than others but to be able to go back and read what you felt yeah for yourself about that vacation uh, will be very rewarding. I had uh, a few years ago, I don't really remember what the impetus of, of it was, but I actually reached out to my father. He must have been, I guess, probably about 70, 69, 70 at the time. And I said, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you write like your biography, like a small one? Like just, it could be top line, but 
I remember growing up, he would tell me all these stories. Like I remembered that at one point he was a drag racer. And I remembered at one point he worked at a bowling alley setting up pins. And then I remember he, he took a job as a bellhop in Miami, even though he lived in Rome, New York. And there was all these things, but I was like, I didn't know how to stitch them together in my brain. I'm like, when did you do what? He was like, yeah, I'll try, I'll try that. I could do that. He's not a writer, right? Yeah. By, by trade. He sat down and ultimately ended up writing this 10-page biography that now I can go and look at and reference and be like, or if I sit with my son and say, do you know that, that, uh, that Jaji used to be a, a drag racer? Oh, really? What, you know? And then I can go and pull it up. I'm like, yeah, the year was, <laughs> the year was 1958, and he was driving a blah, blah, blah. And that was a prompt to my father, really, yeah. at the end of the day. And it was one that was, you know, obviously had extra meaning to him because of where it was coming from. But prompts, man, those are amazing for they're, all sorts of reasons. They're so much fun. Um, you you just mentioned that uh, your dad was from uh, Rome, New York. That's where my husband's from. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that small world for sure. Um so what, um, let's do something a little bit fun since you said, um, that you really like prompts and most of my listeners are bloggers or authors. What is, what is a prompt that you could give our writers and have them write something this week and then tag you and me in their, uh, in their stories, uh, so that we can read just off, just yeah. some, just completely weird off the top of your head. Like a pirate gets caught in a rainstorm or something. That's just a, that is an amazing <laughs> question. <laughs> I've never done anything. I mean, literally I've never done anything like this. Um, but I like every, I like every it. episode tends to be just super different, um, which I absolutely love. Uh, cause every author that I have on here is different. Um, and something new just okay. usually comes out of, out of each episode. So let's, let's do something fun. I love that. I love that. All right. Off the top of my head, I will say, You've got a character, obviously can be a man, woman, child, whatever, any age, and they are stuck in a room. And then I would just say, why? Why are they stuck in that room? That would be my prompt. Okay. Well, listeners, you have heard it here first. <laughs> a prompt. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should offer up a few prompts. <laughs> you are stuck in a room. Well, we can always use my pirate in a rainstorm. Uh, I like the pirate in a rainstorm, too. <laughs> You're a pirate in a rainstorm. Um, okay, so we've got two prompts. Um, listeners, if you're authors, if you're bloggers, um, however you want to do this, um, if you want to write a story um, on either of those prompts and post it to your author website, um, write a write a PDF and you know send it to us. However you want to do it, 
Um, I would definitely be willing to offer a couple guest post spots on my website if you wanted to do it that way. Um, but yeah, if you want to write on either of those prompts sometime this week, uh, you can tag me on Twitter at picky bookworm. You can tag, uh, Peter on Twitter. I cannot remember what your, what your at is. It's just at, it's just at Peter Roche, P-E-T-E-R-R-O-S-C-H. Okay. Um, okay, so tag us if you want to write um, on either of those prompts. Tag us. Let us know so that we can come read your stories. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see um, if anybody participates. We'll see. Because um, a lot of the authors who listen are writing their own books. Um, so who knows? This might be a um, might be a nice little break for you guys. Um, that'll be super fun. So we'll see we'll see what happens on that um i did want to thank you for adding to my signed book collection um i have a copy of your book uh, future skinny um i've read the blurb but working memory sucks i cannot remember for the life of me so can you tell us a little bit about that book and if you have any others published uh, let us know about those two. Absolutely. Uh, first off, it was my pleasure to send you uh, a signed copy of Future Skinny. And I love my if, signed books. I, I love them all. They're, they're so pretty. Yeah. Well, Future Skinny, the, the shortest blurb I can give you is it's the story of a, of a devout anorexic man uh, who discovers that he can see the future by binge eating. So that is the, that's the elevator pitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That is a, that is a very, um, that is a very interesting yes. pitch. Um, do you think just for um, a content warning, do you think that the mention of anorexia would be triggering to anybody? I, I believe that it could be, and my okay. book has been out in the world, and there have certainly been people uh, who either in their reviews or have reached out to me directly to, to say as much, because okay. anorexia, bulimia, uh, these are very serious things, very serious yeah. matters, and there are people who are either in it or recovering from it, just like I'm in recovery from uh, my uh, alcoholism and, and drug addiction, so... It, it can, but my own experience with body dysmorphia and uh, eating disorders of a sort, I, I am not, I have never been what a doctor would clinically refer to as anorexic nor bulimic. Um, but in post sobriety, or I'm sorry, pre sobriety and even after sobriety, I have engaged in, in a lot of things around. Uh, eating disorders or disordered eating is what they would really uh, refer to what I have. And I have also had many friends um, who were anorexic, uh, legitimately anorexic and bulimic. And I pulled from their stories. And really, the, this story that I put together for Future Skinny uh, was born from a few different things. But one of the things that it was really one of the impetuses I had for wanting to write this story was that a time, I, I believe it was 2013, 
or was it 14? It was 2014. It was the year that my son was born. I had been uh, let go from a job that I had. I was doing like nearly 100 hours a week. And I was just go, go. And I was so in it that I didn't even realize how destructive it, it, it was, to be completely honest. Uh, and I was also having a good there was there was good parts obviously it wasn't it wasn't all a drag but I I came out of that and I found myself my wife was still working full time I think she was about five or six months pregnant and I had always been a runner and I'm also somebody who is because of my body dysmorphia I, I really am at times more consumed with the way that I that I look than I should be and like many other things in my life that be, that became addictions. There have been times where my thinness has been my addiction. I chase thinness and push myself into a place that's unhealthy. And right after I lost that job I, and I had all this time on my hands, I was like, well, I'm just going to start running. And, and I was running and I was running more and I was pushing and pushing until I was going out and knocking out, you know, 10 to 13 miles every day just because I had the time to do it. And invariably some other things started to, to, to come back in terms of like, well, I don't need to eat this or eat that. I'm going to cut this out of my diet. I, I don't, you know, I don't need to do this. And I recognize because I've, I've done so much work in the past prior to that moment on, on the things that are my, that are my issues. I was like, you're, you, dude, you got to step back and, and look at what you're doing. And in that, in addition to talking to like my therapist, I actually had gone to the bookstore. I was like, I'm going to see if I can find some books on, on eating disorders uh, that are that feature men, and honestly, there may be books now. But when I went to the bookstore that week, various bookstores or looked on Amazon online, there was plenty on anorexia, there was plenty on bulimia and eating disorders, but they were written. They were either memoirs from from women, or they were written almost as if they were being written exclusively for women. Right. And it turned out that actually, at that time. Uh, they said that 15% of anorexics were male. And I figured if they had that number at 15%, then it really was higher. It was probably a lot of closer men, to 30 or 35%, yeah. Right, because a lot of men weren't going to say, oh, yeah, I'm totally anorexic. I, at that time, had reached out to a friend of mine who I thought had similar um, – kind of feelings and things in terms of his his own image, his body image. And it turned out when I talked to him, I was like, well, here he is. He's exactly, not exactly like me, but he, there's enough there. And so I had had an idea for a book a long time ago about somebody who could see the future just because they ate too much. And in that moment, I kind of married it. I was like, I, I think there should be like a male perspective out in the world about eating disorders, just disordered eating or anorexia. And I married it to the idea that um, what would be the worst? I mean, if you're an anorexic, if you're hyper consumed about your body image, probably the worst thing you could think of is that, wow, I, I could have everything I ever wanted if I just ate more than I'm supposed to eat. Now, I can't tell you if the marriage I made worked. I, I like to think the book is very good, <laughs> but, and, and I've had many, many people reach out to me who've, who've read the book, who, who have uh, disordered eating issues or, or were anorexic uh, or bulimic and, and they understand I've treated the, I, I, I want to believe I've treated the subject matter with all the respect uh, that it deserves while wrapping it in a very unusual 
psychological thriller, horror, Jason, metaphysical kind of context. Okay, um, so I will um, be sure to, since we have uh, talked about this, I will need to, uh, I will be sure to include a content warning in this episode um, just for people to be cognizant um, of the fact that we have been discussing anorexia and bulimia. Um, yeah. I, um, so yes, I will, for listeners, I will be sure <laughs> to add that um, and be, you know, and feel free to let others know um, if, you know, because I, I always want my space to be safe uh, for everybody. So if sure. there's, so if there's anything in this subject matter that might trigger anybody, um, I want to make sure that they are aware of it. Um, I, I did the same thing um, a while back last year sometime. Um, a friend of mine had come on the podcast and we were talking about our respective miscarriages. Um, mm -hmm. And that still remains one of my most popular episodes weirdly <laughs> weirdly enough um but it was it was a very vulnerable and it was a very authentic episode uh, that she and I put on together um and I I had a a friend years ago and I it I wouldn't necessarily call it funny um but I do kind of chuckle about it um, every once in a while when I think of it. Uh, I had a friend, I was probably 18, 19, um, maybe early 20s. And uh, I had a girl in my apartment complex that um, admitted to me that she was bulimic. Mm -hmm. And um, then, you know, we were friends and we hung out and we, you know, had a great time together. And then she moved away. And I had lost touch with her, um, mm -hmm. ended up running into her a couple of years later at the video store that she worked at. Hulu has not been a thing forever. You guys, we did actually have places that you could go and like rent videos. Um, <laughs> we, we had them, I promise. Um, but she, she worked at this, this video store that my mom and I, uh, went to a lot and, I ran into her and realized that it was her. And I looked at her and I was like, you have gained weight. I was like, you look great. And she was like, I know, right? And we we're just, you know, talking about this. And we, we leave the store and my mom just kind of leans over to me and she goes, Pam, you don't tell a girl that she's gained weight. That's so right. rude. And my mom is like chewing me out for, you know, for like pointing out the fact that this girl had gained weight. And I looked at my mom and I was like, mom, she used to be bulimic. So the mm -hmm. fact that she has gained weight is a good thing. I said, mm -hmm. because that means that she has been in recovery for a while. I was like, the fact yeah. that, you know, and she was not like overweight. She was not fat by any stretch of the imagination, but she was heavier than she had been the last time I saw her. And, yeah. you know, and so I just told my mom and I still chuckle about that every once in a while. Not, I don't chuckle at the girl getting weight. Um, I don't chuckle no. at, at any of that. What I chuckle at was my mom's reaction to my telling another woman that she gained weight. Yeah. And because, I mean, it's just typically 
not something you talk about. You know, women, women in particular will comment when somebody has lost weight. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not typically something that you comment on when a woman has gained weight. Um, Absolutely. And so it was just one of those like societal abnormalities I think, <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was willing to, to bring to light the fact that this person had, had done this. And, and my mom was, she's freaked out. And I'm like, mom, you, you don't understand. <laughs> it, it's, you, trust you had me. The con- you had the context around it and that, you know, that made yeah. it, that made it fine. Yeah. And I'm sure your friend was actually thrilled to hear it, you know? So, yeah. I it's mean- interesting. It's interesting though, because I mean, you know, the, the way that your mom reacted or even the way that, that you communicated with her, it's, it's a touchy subject, it uh, somebody's image, somebody's weight. And yet it's a thing that, that we do all relate to. And that's one, one of the things about the book, I think is like, it doesn't really matter if you've ever been anorexic or bulimic. I don't think it really matters if you've even known somebody who's anorexic or bulimic to still relate to the plight of the character in the book, because body image and, and America's sort of obsession with uh, body shapes and sizes affects us all. And that was another kind of component uh, for me as I was diving into in, into the books, just like, I don't think that I'm creating something that's niche uh, to a specific group of people because even your regular Joe uh, or Jane or anybody um, is still feeling that even if it's a low level hum you know, just out there, the images that are put in front of us all the time like this. And I will tell you, you, you mentioned something, women are more likely to say, hey, you look great, you've lost weight. There was a time in my life where when I first started kind of dabbling in what I would call, honestly, just starvation, like I just wouldn't eat. I was drinking still, so there was calories coming from the booze, and I had started running, and I lost, uh, I think I lost about 25 or 30 pounds. And people... Everywhere that I went, they were who hadn't seen. Oh my God, you look great! You look so great. Yeah. What's going on with you? I only had one friend. He was a former boss of mine. I went to meet him, and it was interesting because the first thing he said to me was, "Wow, you look really good. You're, you're really thin. You're like, you know." But then, ten minutes later, he's like, "I just want to ask, is everything all right?" Like, you, you know, I think he thought I, he may have even said it. As, as I remember, I think he thought I may have had cancer or had cancer and was dealing with that. And in that moment, that, that particular moment, I was so obsessed with like, and loving all this like love that was coming my way for like, look, look at you, look at you, you look great. I, I was glad that he thought I looked sick. And, and you know, that, that's the extreme part of it. But prior to the extreme is this area that we all sort of can live in. I think a good majority of people live in where it's like, we want to be told that we look great. And one of the Oddly, one of the weirdest ways that we tell people they look great is like, hey, you, you lose some weight and yeah. it's okay to just say that. Whereas like the reverse of that, what you said to your friend, which was very specific, made a lot of sense for her. But maybe that makes a lot of sense for everybody. Oh, you're looking very healthy. Yeah. You know, and that's what we all should be trying to, to, to aspire to is like you're looking very healthy. What do you mean? I look very healthy. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I always tell people um, that I I would love to be thin, 
Um, but my idea of thin is very different from a lot of society and a lot of the, the, the public image that we are given on what thin looks like. Um, and you know, my idea of thin is I want to be healthy. You know, I don't want my ribs sticking out. I don't want my, my bones sticking out where you can see them. Um, you know, and it, for me, it doesn't matter the number on the scale. Like, you know, cause for a lot of people, you know, I want to be thin. I want to be like 110 pounds. Well, maybe for you, 110 pounds looks great. But mm -hmm. if I were down at 110 pounds because of my particular body shape, I would look sick. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think that our, our idea of what thin means or our idea of what healthy means um needs needs a huge reform honestly mm -hmm. um it's something that i have talked about before maybe not on this show but um it's something that is very close to my heart um is that mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of reform that needs to happen in that particular space you know because you know there is anorexia and there is bulimia and there is disordered eating and there is body dysmorphia and a lot of that stems from, I don't look like the girls in the magazines. Mm -hmm. um, and, or the men. Or the men, you know, in the mm -hmm. magazines. And I, the men and the women in the magazines don't look like the men and the women in no. the magazines. Um, you know, and, and I think that, I think there's a lot of reform in that area that needs to happen. And I think what you said about, you know, telling people you look healthy, you know, your, your skin glows or, you know, your, your face is smooth, you know, cause, um, a lot of unhealthy, um, things show up on your skin. Um, yeah. and you know, so I think that, changing that, you know, reframing, you know, instead of telling somebody, Oh, you look great. You've lost weight. You know, Oh, you look great. Your skin is glowing or, Oh, you look great. That dress looks fantastic on you. You know, those, those sorts of things, instead of focusing on that number, um, yeah. you know, and, and on weight, uh, because everybody's body is different and healthy for me, isn't going to be the same as healthy for somebody else. Um, yeah. so you know, I, I think that, you know, and, um, I wanted, I also wanted to comment on, um, something that, uh, when you were talking about your book, something that is very relatable to your book, um, whether you have disordered eating, whether you have any of these body dysmorphic, um, issues, we've all overeaten at some point. You know, there we've all gone to the buffet. And we've all gone home and collapsed on our couches <laughs> because we ate too much. Um, you know, and I think that that is something that is uh, relatable um, to your story. You know, not necessarily mm -hmm. the the anorexia or the body dysmorphia, but just the fact that you know, for some of us, that'd be kind of cool to like eat too much and be able to see the future. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of a, um, it's a unique way of looking at it. Um, but at the same time it is relatable because, you know, I can't think of anybody 
that could tell you that they have never overeaten in their entire lives. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I doubt it would ever happen. Um, so, um, okay. So we've got about 13 minutes left or so. Um, and I, um, wanted to ask you, we were talking earlier about your, um, your job as in advertising and in, um, I'm assuming copywriting, um, mm-hmm. you're a freelance copywriter for, for ad agencies as an author, how do you think your past and your, your history, um, your experience in advertising, how do you think that translates over into book marketing and do you have any tips for our authors? Because that's one of that's probably one of the things that I run into the most um, when hanging out mm-hmm. on Twitter is, um, you know, authors are like, yeah, I can write the book all day long. Then you ask me to actually sell it. <laughs> yeah, I struggle, you know, they, they really struggle with that marketing and, the, and that selling, um, quote unquote, um, part of being a self-published or being an indie author, uh, what are some tips that you can give to them? Well, I will tell you that I, there have been times where I've thought that my professional experience in advertising would be very beneficial. Wow. I know how to sell things, but as I'm sure you've heard and all your listeners and author friends know, it is absolutely incredibly difficult to sell books. Now, every year, at least for the past decade, it seems like somebody cracks some new little kind of code to the puzzle. Oh, if you do this plus this plus this, books are going to sell, right? And I don't know that we haven't right now in this moment we speak as I try to push my book out and get people to read it who wouldn't otherwise uh, even know about it. I don't know that it's ever been more difficult. And and that is the product of we just have so much content to choose right. from. We have so many venues that we go to to look at it. You know, there was a time, and again, I think I think you can advertise on Facebook, for instance, for your book, and and it can be very successful. That said, I think there was a time six years ago where advertising your book on Facebook was a lot more successful. But once it became more known, like, hey, you can advertise your book on Facebook, you can almost do everything yourself, it can look very professional, it can look this or that, you target this person or this group of people and everything else. When I tried that in, I guess it would have been 2012, and then again in 2014 with my second book, it was very successful. I'm not seeing that same success this time around. And I don't believe that it's because the book is any lesser or even that the ads I'm creating are lesser. I just think people are inundated with so much now. Whereas maybe six, seven years ago, they weren't seeing 150 author advertisements as they're scrolling through their feed or or wherever they're getting it. It doesn't have to be Facebook. Bar none. I mean, though, first and foremost, like there are so many, I think I saw maybe you mentioned even last night as, as recently as last night that you're working with Canva now, is that correct? Oh, I love Canva. I go, I go down the Canva rabbit hole every day. (laughs) What, what, what is available to authors now? Um, or, or anybody, it doesn't have to be an author that really has gotten so much better are those types of tools. And whether it's Canva, I use, 
I'm going to look it up real quick because I don't want to blow it. There's a very, very good, very intuitive app. It's called Video Shop. I just looked it up. I use an app called Video Shop. I think I pay, I don't remember what I pay for like a yearly subscription that unlocks more tools within it, but there is a free version. And with Video Shop, I have been able to create exceptionally professional looking short second, 15 second films related around still photography or video, grab things that are free off the internet and change them in a way that, you know, serves my advertising. You could put motion graphic text over these things. And it is very, very easy. So the tools are there to make something look really good. So obviously you want to make it look really good. And I have recently come, I've asked many, many of my more successful author friends, Hey, what is it I'm doing wrong? I believe after some experimentation, we, we've been kind of conditioned to think that what you want your ad to say is brilliant. Um, you know, the, the, the most significant story about pirates I've ever read, like grabbing these like <laughs> review quotes, right? Pirate and, caught in a rainstorm. <laughs> right. I brought it back. I brought it back. <laughs> but the thing is, is what it turns out is that, yes, that works when you're an established author, if you're, you know, King or Paul Tremblay or, or so many of these other people, you, you're already kind of conditioned to know that, okay, I just need to see that they have a thing, right? I just need to see they've got a new book. I don't even need, need really need to know what it's about. It's, it's from them. So if it says brilliant five stars or things, that's enough. When you are, um, you know, an independent publisher, uh, independent author, self-published author, a relative unknown outside of whatever circle you've already created, it turns out the most effective thing so far that I found is you actually want to tell them what your book is about. You want the ad to say what the story is about. And that is those ads that I've run that say a devout anorexic finds he can see the future binge eating have actually performed way better than an ad that I run that has like a really banging review quote from Midwest book review or book life or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you if you have the right venue, like say with like Instagram stories and you and you're cutting little 15 or five or 10 second films that you string together, the first one should be that little one sentence. What is your story about? Another thing that I think is uh, very successful is, you know, if you go on Facebook or Instagram or even Amazon now with their ad, you can create ads with that uh, within Amazon. You can find the authors that write books like yours and be honest about it, right? Like, that's the other thing is like, don't say you write like Gillian Anderson if you don't, right? Because right. it won't, it won't take long for people to realize this is nothing like Gone Girl. You know, <laughs> just could, don't do and, that. Well, and then you're, and all that's going to do is create this, this detriment for you because your readers aren't going to be able to trust you. And that is, um, you know, in my experience as a reader and as a book blogger, um, my experience has been if I like the author, if I trust the author, I am more likely to read their book. I'm more likely to buy their book. Um, you know, I, I have author friends that I have bought their book. I have not had the time to read it yet. Um, sure. But then when I do, I will typically kick myself for not reading it sooner. Uh, <laughs> the guilt of a mood reader, uh, go figure. But, um, you know, but I love supporting the authors that I know. I love supporting the authors that I like. 
Um, so if you create this situation where you say, for example, I write like Jillian Anderson, your readers read your book and they realize you don't write like Jillian Anderson, you have just created this level of mistrust instead of a level of trust. Um, and you want your readers to be able to trust you. Um, right. First and foremost. So you have to be honest. You have to yeah. be honest with yourself and, and actually also then do the research. What I did with this book, for instance, is I gave it to my mother-in-law. She is a, she reads everything. She's just consuming books at all times. I said, could you read my book? Not just because, you know, I want you to read it, but also I want you to tell me who are some authors that it feels like to you that maybe I haven't thought about. And then she gave me a list of people. It kind of reminds me a little bit of this author's style and this author's type of storytelling. And then I went and read those books or a book from those authors to see like, is that is that legitimate so that when i picked it on those ad server targeting mechanisms that i knew that no this is legit i don't want somebody to to click on it because they're a big fan of whoever and then they start reading it and it's like this is nothing like that person yeah and and that's the thing so those are the three things that i'm focused on right now is like find the blurb that describes your book in, a, in an interesting way right Make, make a piece of content through these tools we just talked about, whether it's Canva or Video Shop or, or there's, there's other ones. I mean, even, even Photoshop now has an app for your phone that has an amazing amount of tools that are very intuitive and easy to use. There are tons of existing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you, if you want to, you know, make it look like your book is sitting on a nightstand, you can find that oh, yeah. on, online, yeah, for sure. paste it in there, do, do the labor. Or honestly, there's so many people now on, whether it's on Readsy or even uh, that site, is it called Fiverr, I think, or something like that. There are people who do it. And there are also some people who will say they're going to do it and it won't be good. And sometimes you're going to lose a, a few bucks, like trying something out with it's, somebody. It's actually, yeah, creating creating images like that. Um, and we only have a couple minutes left. Um, but yeah, creating images like that is actually something that I am um, learning um, so that I can off, you know, so that I can offer it to authors. Um, you know, I just recently created some Twitter images, um, for an author. Um, and you know, it is still something that I am working on. Um, I am still learning Canva. I just learned about frames on Canva last night. So that is definitely something I will be, um, really excited to, to work with more in the, uh, in the future. Um, mm -hmm. But, okay, so we've got a couple minutes left, literally a couple minutes left. Where can people find you and come hang out? Well, you you can find me on social media, you know, at Peter Roche on Instagram, uh, at Peter Roche Author on Facebook, uh, at Peter Roche on Twitter. Uh, you can go to my website, which is PeterRoche.com. Um, Actually, even right now, if you, if you wanted to, you could find me. Uh, I have my own radio show and podcast called What We Know, What We Don't that I co-host with a, a woman named Benita Condi. You can find me there. Um, and if you, you, know, you want to just find me to, for some work, you can reach out to me at peterrush at gmail.com. And I'm somebody who likes to, to share anything that I know with anybody. I'm not somebody who, you know, if you say I want to pick your brain, uh, I like it when people want to pick my brain and I don't usually charge for it. So um, okay. if any of your listeners have any additional questions about what we talked about or anything else, uh, feel free to reach out to me. 
And okay, thank awesome. you, Pamela, for having me. I really, oh, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, this has been um, an absolute blast. Um, and I am, I'm looking forward to getting my transcript um, edited so that I can get it put up on my website. I've got several that I need to get working on. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for, for coming and chatting with me today. And I will see you on Twitter. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you have so much. Have a great day. You too. Have a All great right. weekend. Bye-bye. Bye.